What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day, wonderful morning. We are super excited about what God is doing in our lives and in our church and in our community. And man, I'll tell you what, I am excited about this series. We are launching on a brand new series this Sunday. And you know, whenever you do a new series, we always make preparations and study and research and all this stuff. And man, this series is probably a little bit more preparation than any of the other ones, because we're going to focus on end times. Uh, we're going to be talking about eschatology over the next uh, several weeks, and man, that's a big deal. It's, it's a big topic. It's often a very hot topic, and so we titled this series, The Return of the King, because really, that's what end times is. It's the returning of Christ. It's the second coming of, of Jesus, when we know he's going to return, what that looks like, and, and, and for us to be prepared as the bride of Christ, like scripture calls us. And so we're going to be talking about several different things. Today's message is very much like us laying a foundation uh, of, of what we're going to be building on and what we're going to be talking about over these next several weeks. But uh, it, it's extremely important for us to be diving into scripture, digging out deep. So I just, I want to encourage you with that because oftentimes people are really interested about this. So you may have friends or family that you might want to invite over these next several weeks. Just say, hey, like in my church, we're talking about end times and stuff. And, and often uh, that's a really popular thing uh, that people want to hear about. So I'd love to uh, pastor you and, and teach and, and, and uh, preach about what God has put on my heart and so one of the things I just want to say up front is I am not trying to scare anyone. Oftentimes when, when pastors will preach about end times, they're really trying to like bring down fire and brimstone and scare people uh, into heaven. And I'm going like, that. I don't think that's what it's meant to be. Uh, we, we do want everyone to come to heaven with us, but I think it's more of a joyful thing uh, than to scare people from like getting out of hell type thing. But, uh, you know, I just, I, I really want to focus on that. But I also want to say how oftentimes uh, or maybe not often, but sometimes uh, people will try and, and do predictions. Uh, so I just want to say up front, I am not going to give any date predictions. Uh, to me, when I read scripture, it's very, very clear that none of us will know the day or the hour. In fact, Jesus himself, the Son of God, does not know. He said that in Matthew 24, verse 36. He says, hey, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So we're not going to be doing any date projections. We're not going to be looking at you know, th this year or any, anything, what's going on with uh, you know, what, what our, our personal opinions are. We are going to look at uh, some current events and things that are happening. We're going to look at Scripture. We're going to dive in deep, but I do not want to scare you. I also think that we shouldn't be idle. Uh, that, that's one of the things that people often say. They go, well, everything's just chaotic and crazy, and Jesus is going to come back soon, so I'm just going to sit around and wait. I do not believe in that at all. Uh, I, I think that we should be knowing what we're doing. We should be active and moving and living out our faith and waiting with great anticipation for when that day comes. Because when you look at Scripture, there are tons of, of prophecies about the return of Christ. In fact, it, it just it blows my mind that literally they were talking about when Jesus is coming back a second time before he had actually even been born the first time. So when you look, when you read eschatology and scripture that, that talks about it to understand you know the return of Christ, you can read Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hezekiah and like there's so many prophets that wrote up to 2,500 years before. You know, Jesus was born, uh, you know, even 500 years before he was born, just saying, hey, 
Jesus is not, not only is the Messiah going to come, but he's going to come again. It's like, w- wait a second. And so there's just so much scripture that we can dive into and take a look at. And the thing that's really interesting to me is each and every generation after Jesus died and rose again, every generation has sought to understand the end times and understand eschatology and what it means and, and so that we can know the day that he will return because we know one day he's going to come back. In fact, it, 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 you know, when Jesus died and he rose again, the, the reasons people talk about it so much is because there was this ascension into heaven. And so I want to read this because this is really important for us to understand. So in, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 and verse 9, after the, the, uh, while Jesus is ascending, so after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? But Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So one day, the sky is going to split again, and Jesus is going to return, and it's going to be incredible. And there is always a lot of speculation on when that's actually going to happen, and when that's going to take place. So we look at uh, just global events and current events, and I mean, just there's so many prophecies in Scripture that, that have to be fulfilled in order for them to happen. But the thing that's incredible is, and we'll dive into this more in the upcoming weeks, but so many of the prophecies already have been fulfilled. That's what's so neat and incredible. So to me, that, that makes my heart skip a beat. It's like, wow, we might be the generation that actually gets to see Christ return and come back. And so I, I just, I think that we can be aware of the signs and the seasons. In fact, Jesus even taught about that, that we can be aware and, and educate ourselves and understand what's going on. So in Luke 21, verse 25, this is what he taught. There will be strange signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. Here on earth, nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and raging tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in heaven will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And so I can't prove this, but I believe that every single generation thought that they were the generation that Jesus was going to come back even starting with the first generation after he died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. I, I actually believe that the first century Christians were like, hey, Jesus ascended into heaven. He'll probably be back next week. You know, kind of thing. I, I, like, and so from then, every single generation, every, every single century, every single millennia, like they're going, we're the ones. We're the ones. And I'll tell you what, more now than ever, people are going, it's going to happen. It's totally going to happen. This is going to take place. And, and so I just want to say out loud, I believe personally that there is, there is a healthy anticipation, a, a great just shock and awe, fear of the Lord type reverence that we can have knowing and believing the reality that Jesus can come back today. Okay, I, I don't think there's anything wrong that if we live every single day as if Jesus was coming back today. 
You know, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow. Because, gosh, when you look at the signs, Jesus said we're going to be able to see and, and recognize. So it talked about the raging seas. So you talk about tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and, and all these. In Scripture, we'll, we'll dive in. It, it just it talks about birth pains and, and all those things happening of the earth. And so it just is so So those things are happening. No doubt that those things are taking place. There's turmoil amongst nations. There's immorality that runs rampant across the globe. And no question about that. And, and so even with all of the craziness of all these end time signs and prophecies, one of the things I want to share with you, my first point, is Jesus' return should comfort us. So there's a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness. I get it. I totally understand. There's a lot of hype. People will talk about it in love. But don't get focused too much on this life. Uh, it's very clear in scripture we're not supposed to do that and because we are not of this world we're not we're human beings we have a body mind soul spirit but our spirit is what lives forever and so our eyes can be fixed on heaven our spirit should resonate with our heavenly father each and every day not to be concerned overly concerned with the troubles of this life that we experience because so often, I'll talk to people, and I'm guilty of this as well, where they'll say, I want Jesus to come back soon. And, I, and like, I've said that. I've thought that. I'm like, man, wouldn't that be so cool? Wouldn't, what if we're the generation? And I, I love to say it. I love to talk about it. And, and I know many people do. But what if he does? Like, and, and, and for those of us that are in Christ, we're going, that's legit. That's awesome. But to me, I go, well, what happens to the ones that aren't? And that's, that's the problem. What, what, what about those that don't yet know him, those that aren't following him? And so I know and I understand the excitement about Jesus coming back. I'm like, man, I hope he comes back. And, but man, sometimes I, just, I also have this just hesitancy and going, man, I hope not. And here's why. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. no. He's being patient for your sake because he does not want anyone to perish but wants everyone to repent. Because once Jesus comes back, that's it. Like, no more chances. Like, that, that's it. Uh, everyone will be judged. God is just. He, he, he is judged. He sits on the throne, you know, and, and he is going to rule. And, and it's just the reality of, of what will happen. So judgment will come when God declares, hey, Jesus, it's time for you to go back, then that's it. And, and I understand, I, do, I fully believe and, and get it, but man, so often we're looking at this world and our life and the struggles that we're in, the difficulties that, that we have, and we just want to be rescued from that. Like all the, the things that are holding us down, we're like, man, I just wish Jesus would come back and I would be done with all my trouble. I get that. I totally understand. But man, there's so much more going on that we have to be recognized. So I think when we feel that and experience that, we're focused too much on this life, and we've got to be focused more on the reality of, of the spiritual aspect of what's going on. So our life is meant to glorify God and invite others to follow Jesus. That, that's what our life is meant to be. So instead of like hoping for God's judgment on the earth, I think we should be encouraging others to be following after him. 
So I wanted to share something a little bit deeper about this because I really feel like our perspective should be more like Abraham when God was threatening to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can read this in Genesis. You can read about the example. I'm going to paraphrase it really quick uh, for you. But basically, God says, I'm going to bring down judgment uh, on this city because of the immorality and what's going on. And Abraham says, no, God, if there's just 50 righteous people, if, if there's just 50, you know, will you spare them? And, and God's like, okay, like I get it. And so Abraham, he starts to, to haggle a little bit. He's negotiating. He goes, what if there's just 45? Like what if there's 40 or 30 or 20? What if there's just 10? What if there's just 10 that don't yet know you? Would you wait? And so to me, like I... We need to have that type of perspective because when you look at global numbers and you have a global perspective, what if it's five billion? Because the total number of people that claim Christ as their savior is 2.5 billion, 3 billion, depending on numbers and census and stuff. And, but there, there's about five billion. That's a lot that don't follow Christ yet. And I'm going, man, that's a whole lot more than just 50 or 10. And so I'm going, man, I just, I feel like we should be okay with it being slow and taking a long time and be passionate about inviting others to follow Christ because we understand what it means and what it looks like because we know our eternal destination. Other people, they're blowing it off. They don't care. They, they don't mind. But I'll tell you what, I, I believe every person thinks about it. I believe they absolutely consider at some point in time. So having a conversation about the afterlife, we're like, hey, what happens? Like after, you, after you're done breathing and, and your heart stops, like what, what do you think happens? Just ask somebody. Like, and that's my encouragement to you. Like in this whole understanding of the, the king is going to return one day, we don't actually know when that is. I think it's just, it's great to have a conversation. Like, hey, my church is talking about that. What do you think happens? And just ask them. Just out of curiosity, man, because it, it shocks me sometimes what, what people will say, because then what that does is that opens up the door and the opportunity for you and I to share the good news. Like, man, that's really interesting, so this is kind of what I think. I'm not really sure. I'm still learning a lot, but I just, I, you know, I know if we put our faith in Jesus, and so that at least gives you an opportunity to plant some seed or water a little bit that somebody, what somebody else has said to them. So I just want to encourage you, pick a person at work, at home, friend, family, ask them what happens when we die, uh, it's quite that, that, that simple because to me, this should create a, a worldwide movement of evangelism. When you're talking about 5 billion people, we should have a desire to bring Christ to unreached people groups, to those that don't yet know him. Uh, because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, uh, he said, the good news and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Now, this is one of the prophecies that Jesus gives that I know for a fact hasn't been achieved yet. People will often go, well, oh, we're the generation, it's going to happen. And, and so there are missionaries absolutely working on unreached people groups and uh, translating the Bible into those languages. And, and so, but you have clans and tribes in remote parts of you know, the world that haven't yet had the good news preached in, in, in the way that we understand it. Okay, so I want to put that, I put that out there and be very clear. In the way that you, underst you and I understand it, in our American Christian culture and understanding of church. So, because 
there have been incredible stories and examples where there have been missionaries that walk into, say, a tribe that's in a rainforest in South America, and they're, they're there to, to you know, listen to them and hear, learn the language, and talk about Jesus and proselytize. And there are incredible stories of those people in that area. And when the missionary mentions Jesus, they say, oh, that's his name? And so like, there's a, no, there's a knowing and an understanding about Jesus and God's son, that there's a Messiah, there's a God, there, there, there is worship taking place. Oh, wow, he's the one? And there, there's just incredible things that have taken place and transpired. So to me, there are still unreached people groups. And, and, but man, I'll tell you what, more now than ever, Christianity is, is advancing and moving. There are more Christians on the planet than ever before in history. That, so I, I don't want to make it sound like this is a bad thing or scared or there's a lot of unbelievers. There are, and we've got, but there are more Christians than ever. So the thing that's interesting is we always look at, look at Christianity and, and evangelism through our own filter, through our own perspective. And so to me, that's the American culture. So Christianity is actually less popular in the USA than ever before. But in so many of the almost 200 nations globally, it's advancing in so many of them, greater more than ever before. And even through the Middle East and, and Southeast Asia and like all, all the remote areas. And, and so like Christianity is advancing big time. And so to me, the fact that Jesus is going to return, that should give us comfort and understanding. The second thing that it does is Jesus' return should prepare us. Uh, and so to me, after Jesus' resurrection, you know, he... He ascends to heaven, uh, but, but before that takes place, he actually had this miraculous thing that he did where he would appear to the disciples. A few different times, you can read him in the Gospels, it's really, really interesting to me, because he, you, he died, rose again, they witnessed the resurrection, the empty tomb, and then he appears at certain times and certain examples. But the thing that's always interesting to me, there are multiple occasions where Jesus does that, and they don't recognize him. So these, we're talking about men that had spent years with Jesus. They knew the guy. They knew him very well. Followed him for years. Even, you know, had said, like, we're willing to die with you. And I know things got a little sketchy there at the end. But, man, they were committed. But they didn't recognize him multiple times. One of the examples, just kind of paraphrasing, you know, you can read this in the end of John chapter 21 where the disciples, they went back to the Sea of Galilee. A couple of them were fishermen. So, so Peter's like, hey, I'm going to go back to fishing. Jesus is gone. This stinks. I thought it was going to be something different. I thought it was going to be cooler. He's leaving. What do we do now? I'm going back to fishing. They, they go out fishing through the night. Didn't catch anything all night, which to me is hilarious. So they don't catch anything all night. And Jesus is there in the morning. They're coming back in on the boat. He's like, hey, throw it. Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. Now, I don't know about you. Like, I fish. I'm not a very good fisherman, but I've caught fish before. And so it's like cast, cast, cast. You know, hey, no fish, no fish. Cast, cast, cast. No fish, no fish. And then all of a sudden, somebody goes, hey, you need a cast right there. And, and you go, I already did. Like, come on. Like, I already did. And so Jesus is about 100 yards from them. Hey, this is, so, this is hilarious to me. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And I'm sure they're going, really? Like, really? We've been working for hours through the night. We threw the net there and there and there and there and there and there and there. And now, because we just pulled it up from this side, now you say, hey, try right there. 
I mean, literally, so we're not talking about nets that they're throwing away. Literally, we're talking about right next to the boat. And they do. And they pull in all these fish. The scripture says that there was so much that they were afraid that the nets were going to tear. Uh, in, in John, it gives us the actual number, 153. So when they got their catch onto shore, they, they're like, let's count them. Let's see how many. Like, I do that same thing. Like, let's measure this. <laughs> you know, and so like 150, one, two. I mean, can you, like, that's, that's a lot of fish, and it's incredible. And, and they actually use really small boats that, you know, we understand during that time era that they were a little bit larger than our canoes, like kind of a carved out canoe type thing. And so, so many fish. They were afraid the boat was going to sink. They were afraid the nets were going to break. But th- they have so many in and john says it's the lord and all of them can't you just see their head snapping like it's him because at first it's just this guy who's standing on shore to me almost mocking like if if i was in the boat i have a little bit of a sarcastic tone to me so if somebody said hey throw it on the other side of the boat i'm like whatever you know, are you kidding me? You're just messing with me. You're joking around, some kind of joke. But John catches the glimpse. He recognizes, whether it's visually or vocally, that it's now the Lord. And Peter is just, just, just overwhelmed with this, oh my gosh, it's him. Jumps out of the boat to swim to shore, leaves the other guys, you know, to bring it all in. And so that's what we've got to get. That's what we've got to understand. So to me, Jesus' return should prepare us for what we're doing, what we're about, because we, we have to read it, we have to recognize. What if we were so close to Christ that we could recognize his voice, that we could recognize him when he's, when he's coming, when he's returning? We can know the signs. We can understand what's going on. What if we are so aware and so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we can recognize what's taking place? Because in the New Testament, you have over 300 references of when Jesus is coming back. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, 216 have some reference to Jesus' return. Of the 27 books and letters in the New Testament, 23, so almost all of them, talk about some aspect of Jesus coming you know, again. And so to me, we should be prepared. We should be reading. We should be studying. We should recognize and understand because God has so much to talk about the return of the king. And so we've got to understand it. So it shouldn't scare us. It shouldn't intimidate us. It shouldn't cause fear. But to me, it should embolden us to be able to recognize and understand what's going on. So to me, we should be prepared. And so how we live matters. It matters a lot. Each and every day, our decisions, what people see, it matters so much. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. For once you were full of darkness. Can you guys do me a favor and say the word were? Were. Once you were. That's a great word like that. I love that. That's, that's our past. We were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And so now more than ever... We need this. We should be connected with the Father, living this out, having that light just exude from us, seeking after his face, listening to his voice, understanding the movement of the Holy Spirit, and doing his will. Wouldn't it be so cool if you and I took these verses and applied them to our life, and we're living this out where we're preparing our hearts, we're preparing our minds to be used by the Lord in an incredible way. 
And so I, like, I have to ask the question, would you recognize the Holy Spirit if he spoke to you and communicated to you that I have something specific to do for you? In this moment, that person, this situation, I want you to act. I want you to do something. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to them. Would you be in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he's communicating? I feel like this is absolutely imperative for us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, there, there have been particular times in my life when I feel the Holy Spirit. I sense him. A lot of times it's, it's related to worship, music, reading scripture, prayer. Uh, but there are times when I'll be just talking with somebody and the Holy Spirit will, will, will kind of give, you know, speak to me. And so if you have an understanding of, of the, the fruits of the Spirit, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Well, we also have the, the, the spiritual gifts uh, that, that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And so those are leadership, administration, teaching, preaching, evangelism, mercy, healing, prophecy. And so there are times when the Holy Spirit will speak to me. You know, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure out if it's, it's a word of prophecy that I'm supposed to speak to this person or a word of knowledge. Like, there's a lot, there's some similarities between those two. And so I'm like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I hear it, and I, I've got to say it. Like, it, it's inside of me, and I say it. And so there are, are significant times, you know, where I'm talking or I pray for somebody, and I feel like the Lord is speaking through me. Maybe many of you have had this happen. So sometimes it's a picture Sometimes it's an image, sometimes it's a particular word, and I'll pray that over that person. And literally, when we're done praying, they just kind of go, how did you know to pray that? Uh, and so there will be cool examples where they'll go, I just had a dream about that the other night. My grandma just talked to me about that. I've been praying about that right now, and you just said it out loud. And so I just I want to encourage you. I think far too often we're extremely timid because we think we're going to get it wrong. I got news for you. We're going to get it wrong. <laughs> we're going to get a lot wrong. We make mistakes and, and we say the wrong things and we don't say the right things and we wish we did. And, we, and I get it. But man, I'll tell you what, I, I, I regret more frequently that I didn't say something than if I say the wrong thing. You know, so I just, I want to encourage you just to be a little bit more bold in allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you because he gives us comfort and he prepares us for such a time as this to be speaking out, to be used in a powerful way. The third thing that Jesus' return should cause is for us to be more focused. And I, this is very important. This is just like being prepared. But to me, this is laser-like focus in understanding what's going on. And I want to read for you 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. It says, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and the night. So be on guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. And so like, we, it's very clear. Like, Stay alert, be clear-headed. Be aware of what's going on. Be focused. Recognize what's going on. So you know, people will ask a question. They'll say, are we living in the last days? Are we the generation? That that's going to see the, the second coming of Christ. And so I would say, are we living in the last days? You're living in yours. Y you are. I'm living in mine. If I said, hey, all of our days are numbered, and, and at some point in time, we're going to pass, you would go, yeah, like I get it. So if it makes you feel any better, if it causes you to be more like Jesus, then yes, you, you're in your last days. 
If it, if it encourages you, makes you a little bit more bold to live that out and to talk to somebody, a thousand times yes. We're in the last days. You're in yours and I'm in mine. Because Jesus is the king of heaven and he's going to return. And there is going to be complete fulfillment for us here on earth. And it's going to be amazing and powerful. I, I, I look forward to it in an incredible way. But I also believe that we should think and live differently. That our spiritual lives should reflect that type of spiritual influence that we've received. So I want to read uh, just a, a couple of more verses uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4. The first one is in verse 7. Peter says, the end of the world is coming soon. This is written in the first century. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. So when you look at your prayer life, would you describe it as earnest and disciplined right now? So earnest is this passion, desire, just fervency, just going after the Lord with intensity. Uh, you know, at times mine is, sometimes it's not, just to be honest. Like sometimes it's like, <laughs> you know, to, but so I just, I want to say very openly though, it's clear that our prayer life is what realigns us in our connection with the Father. So that's our communication with our dad. Like we, we want to talk with our dad. We want to speak with him. Hey, what's going on? What, what, what do you speak? What, what's your will? Lead me this day. Give, you know, give me the things that I need. Would you supply these needs? And so, but what happens far too often in our prayer lives, what we do is we complain to God. We go, God, my problems are so big and you seem so small. God, all these issues and problems that I'm dealing with, they're so big. And God, you seem like you don't care. Does your prayer life ever sound like that or look like that? And, and oftentimes mine does. So if that's what your prayer life is like, what happens is we kind of need to flip that around. So instead of saying, oh, my problems, poor me, I got it so bad, and God doesn't even care, he doesn't listen, he's not there, he's not strong enough, and blah, blah, blah. I think what needs to happen is we go, God, you're so big. God, you're so strong. Lord, I look to the heavens. I see you. I look around. I see how you've worked in my life. You're so big. And all my problems, they're really insignificant. And I wish I didn't give so much attention to them. Would you help me with that? Because God, you're so amazing. Your love, your grace, your healing power, I've experienced it before. So what happened if all this you know, pity party stuff in our prayer life just started to dissipate and drift away and we started to look at God's glory and look forward to the return of the king with great anticipation, comfort, and focus. And so our prayer life is this constant communication with the Father. And then Peter continues. So for, in verse 8 of chapter 4, he says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. So he says, make sure you're praying. Pray earnestly. Be disciplined in your prayer. Hey, but just FYI, this is most important above all. Be praying and continue to show deep love. And so in our end times reality, in the way that we think about it, the way that we perceive it, in our eschatology, in our, in our beliefs, it should cause us to focus on people. That, that, that's, that's really what it comes down to. That's what Peter's saying. He's like, all this, you know, the end, yes, absolutely. And make sure that you're extending God's grace and love towards other people. 
Why is that? Because people are the most important thing on earth. People. People. The the person sitting next to you. The person watching online. You're the most important thing on this whole entire planet. So what God calls us to do as the church is to share the radical love of Jesus with every single person around us. Because people are the only thing that make it to heaven. Right? If we're, if we're going to talk about Jesus returning, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. People are the only thing that get into heaven. So therefore, we're the most important thing. And so God wants to use us, his church. He equips us and enables us to be used by him to usher in the king and what's going on. And this is confirmed in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It continues. And so God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. And so to me, what this means is we should be a difference maker. If, if you believe that Jesus is God's son and you're following after him, you've received these gifts. So use them, whatever they are, you know, and, and live this out. And so we should be focused on the spiritual transformation of every single person around us. Friends, family, work. For us here at Grace Church, we've made this bold declaration about the Space Coast, the region that we live in. We live in an incredible area. We get to see rockets go up into space, and I love it. I love watching them, whether it's daytime or night. It's amazing. But you know what's most important? The people that are watching that rocket. The people that live next door to me and live next door to you. And so we need to be preparing ourselves, be so focused on the reality that the good news can be shared in very creative and loving ways. Because someday Jesus is going to return, and it's going to be amazing. And so whenever you talk about end times and the return of the king, sometimes it, it gets, you know, we, 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 we struggle with it to comprehend and we're going to talk more over these next several weeks, and we're going to get into some fun stuff, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So I would love for you to come back to watch online again in the upcoming weeks, and we'll get into it. I, we'll get into Revelation and some prophecies and, you know, some beasts and the dragon. Like, I'll, I'll do all that, I promise. But I had to share, like, my heart with this first message because, really, it's about people. It's about Jesus, first and foremost, as God's son in his return. But man, it's about you and I and others we know and even the people we don't know yet. And so one of the things that I love is talking about Jesus' return to me, it just kind of opens up the door for the gospel to be shared. And so one of the things that we often do, I, I do this here at this church and many churches do just in American culture is, you know, we love this, hey, raise your hand if you need Jesus. You know, and I love it, I get it. I, and I was raised on it. We've done it for decades and decades and decades. But at some point in time, that was something that somebody came up with. You know, they were like, how do we get people to respond? And I think, this is just me, it's my opinion. I think people just kind of wanted to get their, get the number of people that were getting, like wanting to follow Jesus so they could make themselves feel better. Because uh, God knows, is the only one that truly knows people's heart. Because when I go back to the Gospels, and I read what Jesus said. You know, he looked at every single person around him. He's like, hey, if you want to be one of my disciples, follow me. Follow me. 
what I do, how I live, how I think. I'll talk, I'll preach, I'll, I'll show you, I'll write down scripture, I'll write the gospels, you'll have it. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in, in the areas when you need it. But if you want me, follow me. And so I wanted to share that perspective with you in understanding if you're a person and you're not following Christ, where if you go, hey, who's number one in your life? If, if Jesus is not number one in your life, then he needs to be. If I said, if I asked you the question, if you died today, if unfortunately you left or you experienced this just a tragedy and it's awful and it sinks our heart and many of us, we've had family members pass tragically and suddenly and, and it just, it weighs heavy on us, on us. But let's say hypothetically that were to happen and I ask you, would, where would you spend eternity? What would happen? Like what would take place? If you, if you can honestly say, I don't know, then that's a problem. So we should be very secure in the reality, 100% certain, that if our body is done, if we, are, we take our last breath, we should have the, the certainty that I am 100% confident that I will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven because I believe in him as God's son and I'm following him. To me, Christianity is not just some kind of this cool cultural thing that we do so we can claim it. But I think it's, it's trans, it, 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 trans, it, it brings change in our entire life. It should transform us in who we are. And so if you're listening here in the auditorium or you're watching online and you're not 100% sure, I want to tell you, like, following Jesus is how it works. Because it says in God's word that, that he looks in our heart and he knows what we believe. And so do you believe that Jesus is God's son? Because that's the changing moment. Jesus is looking at you right now, and he's saying, follow me. And so maybe when you were younger, or maybe before, maybe you followed him and you drifted away, and that actually happened during Jesus' ministry. He would give a harsh teaching, and so it said some of the disciples would, would leave, like because they couldn't handle it. And so that's happened to you and I, all of us. We go, oh man, we, we have doubt, we have fear. Things happen in our life. We, we begin to question God. That happens to all of us. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I get it. But I would say maybe it's time to come back, to begin following again. Like that passion that I was talking about, and I made you say out loud, were. Maybe you were disconnected to Jesus, but now you can be back following him. And so that's my heart really when it comes down to it when in talking about the return of Christ and and that really should be all of our motivation to share with other people and so uh, you know oftentimes when we do a, a, an altar call a salvation opportunity we have people raise their hand I'm not gonna do that but I do want you to bow your head right now I want you to pray I want you to to look at your life right now if you if you were standing before God would you just be able to simply say like I've got Jesus Man, I've got him. I'm following him. Because if not, you have this incredible opportunity for in this moment to begin to follow him. So that you, you pray and, and you ask the Lord to forgive you. You ask the Lord to cleanse you. And I'll pray with you right now. Maybe you pray something like this where, where we could just say together, we could say, God, just please forgive me for all the things that I've ever done. I know I've done wrong stuff and, and, and I'm so ashamed of it. Lord, I, man, there's so many things. The list is so long. How, could you please forgive me for all that? Would you remove 
the doubt and the shame, the guilt that I feel for all those wrong decisions. That Jesus, you would come into my life and that you would change me. And at this moment, at this time, I commit to follow you. And I commit to follow closely. And so, Lord, would you help us to do that? We believe, Jesus, you're God's son. We believe that you were sent, lived a perfect life. And that's incredible for us to understand. But we get it. We believe it. And we want to follow you passionately. And Father, I want to pray just this pastoral prayer uh, over us as people and even just something that, that you as our Heavenly Father, that you would speak over us. Lord, I just, I see that the things that you're saying to us in, in, through your Holy Spirit, you're encouraging us, you're challenging us. You love us so much. So thank you so much for that. We, we receive that right now. And so, Lord, I just, I want to ask that you would give us a, a greater perspective, a greater understanding. Lord, even just some urgency on what it looks like when you're going to send Jesus back. Uh, we look forward to it. We're excited about it. Uh, and we want to read your word. But, Lord, would you just communicate to us what that looks like and, and some, maybe some changes we need to make in how we think, how we live, and that other people might see you in us. God, that your glory might be revealed, your kingdom would come, and your kingdom would advance, and that others might know you. Jesus, we ask that you would come back soon. In your name we pray, amen.